great day to celebrate Easter joy, and so much part of that joy is mercy. So welcome to Divine Mercy Sunday. It's awesome. We don't deserve anything, and God gives us everything. Fullness of share of his life. I'd like to start out a little pre-homily, so buckle your seatbelts. We might be here for a little bit. But pre-homily, I just love the way, just a couple of examples. We have probably 14 to 16 young couples with smaller children, maybe ages zero to six, who just grassroots have decided to meet with each other every other week. And then the one week, the, the mothers will take all the little kids so the fathers can have a Bible study and go deeper. And then two weeks later, uh, it'll be vice versa so that the mothers can go deeper. And that's happening left and right. And I encourage you, if it's not here, get involved. Get involved in community. Because until we do that, I think our faith is superficial in a lot of ways and becomes skimpy. And if you look at Jesus on the cross, he's anything but skimpy. He's anything but superficial. He's anything but I'm just going to show up when I want to show up. God has so much more for us. And when we do that, then our hearts get lit on fire and we want to be here above all else. Amen? Some people thought I was a Baptist last week at Easter. I was pretty much on fire, you know, and it's like, oh, we can't have all that fire in the Catholic Church because we're very staid and appropriate and contained. Well, that's kind of like sad for me. That's really sad. You know what's the indication of the sadness? Sad stands for Satan always divides. It's an indication to me that are we really connected to the God of the universe? Parents, get your kids to heaven. That's your job. Where are you going to get that? Here. Let's be really clear. This is where it happens. The saddest thing would be today, this joyous occasion of baptism, if you're not here next week, if you're not here next Sunday or the next Sunday. What did our first pope say, Pope Peter, at the end of the second reading today? What is the goal of our souls? Salvation. Salvation. This life is short. You don't have tomorrow guaranteed. And you know what? The world's double-barrel loaded to take your kids out and to take you out. It's not a joke. This is reality. We call it as is. And we need the community. We need the Lord. We need his sacraments, his teaching in this church. Saddest thing, you don't come back. This is just a, a, a card. You know what? Going to a particular high school, a Catholic high school or college, or being part of a job, that doesn't save you. He does. And so we're here to celebrate that this day in his divine mercy. We don't beat around the bush. We tell the truth. And think about your own life. Is my life skimpy? Is it superficial? Do I even know how much Jesus loves and forgives me? I go to confession once a month so that I can know and remember that and get on track, get my head straight about what's important, what's not important. So the title of this homily, now we're getting in the homily after that brief prelude. The title of this homily is When You Get Run Over. When You Get Run Over. So I grew up on the streets of Sublimity, Oregon, and no, it wasn't really that dangerous and bad, okay? Population 813, out in the country, foothills of the Cascade Mountains, youngest of eight boys, but I grew up there. But you know what? Life is life, and life can be difficult, and it is. I don't care where you're born, how idyllic it is. If you're in the beautiful San Diego on Coronado Island, it can be, it, it, life's difficult. But I was telling uh, our school kids about three years ago in a school mass, I said, yeah, one day I was out on the playground, you know, just minding my own business, and then Rumpelstiltskin, I like that word, that's a cool word, God's given us, Rumpelstiltskin, he ran me over, and he just left me in the dust. And so what am I supposed to do? I was ticked off. What's my response? 
first thing was payback. Yeah, I, I can go punch him. I'll be honest. I probably threw a few punches in grade school, okay? Then I started wising up after that, say this really hurts and breaks things, so I'm trying to resolve problems in a different way. I'll go hit him, you know, because he's hurt me. He's run me over. You ever been run over? You can wish evil about that person. You can talk bad behind their back about them. You can curse them. You can ban them. You can excommunicate them. You can disrespect them, discount them, ignore them, avoid them, all these kind of things. And that has absolutely nothing to do with Jesus Christ and what he does for us. So at the end of the day, one of the kids, he was like in fourth grade, he comes up to me and he's like shadow boxing. He goes, what did you do, Father John? Did you punch him? Did you punch him? Did you take him out, Father John? What did you do? What did you end up doing? Getting run over. That can happen every day. And what do we do with it? I want to harken back to Holy Thursday and say this to you and me and to us. Get your head on straight. Get your head on straight. And then I want to emphasize, I can never overemphasize this enough, it's all about prayer. We've got to pray. Otherwise, we're going to be without Christ. And that's disastrous. St. John Paul the Great said about this, in terms of getting our thinking straight, in terms of being hurt and wounded by another person, in terms of being run over, prayer gives us the light by which to see and to judge from God's perspective and from eternity. That is why you must never give up on praying. Never, never give up on praying. Never, never give up on going to church. Because the world will chew you up and spit you out, does not care about you. And all that Jesus cares is that you be one with him forever. Amen? That's why we pray. Dive deeper into humanity and relationships when you get run over. When that happens, the death happens. From an unintended slight to an intended horrible thing, all these things can happen. And what do we do? Often we make a mountain out of a molehill. We say, oh, they don't care, they don't pay attention, they're not listening, and we look for that. We're on the lookout. How are they going to spite me next? How are they going to discount me next? How are they going to curse me next? At least that's my experience, because I've done that and I do that. But what about the other person? Maybe they have a billion pans on the stove. Maybe they're struggling with anxiety, and it's hard for them to be in the church this morning because they are so nervous and they might have an anxiety attack. Maybe their daughter just overdosed on drugs last week, and they're telling me that story. And that's happened here when other people were worried about some little petty thing in the church. Make it all about me. This is all about my experience and my church. People will come to me and say, Father John, I can't forgive. I'll say, exactly, you can't. Because I, when we say I, that makes me the center, me the source, me the Lord of it all. Do you know that I is in the middle of the word sin? Very middle of the word sin. And that means separation from the life of God where there is no sin and there is no separation. And when we sin, that leads to sad. Satan always divides. Sad. Wherever you're sad, Wherever there's not reconciliation, that's because we've chosen that. We're not living the life that Christ offers us today. Getting run over is going to happen. 
You expect perfection from another human being? Duh. Depend upon him. Depend upon Jesus. Even the love from best friends can be so weak and disconnected. Duh. Depend upon him. Look to him. It's about him. Many times it's unintended, I would say majority of times, but sometimes it's intended that what comes to us. So much wounding in one day, but it's our perspective. Are you on the lookout to how you're going to be wounded, get hurt, let down, run over? Keep your eyes on Jesus. Perfect love. That's my salvation in the priesthood because I got a lot of people coming at a lot of angles, and I need to be focused on him so I can try to be him to all the people I serve. Don't focus on others as your end-all be-all. Be on the lookout for that love to heal the very perfect human being who might, but most likely not, did intend to hurt you, did not intend to hurt you. Look at Jesus. Perfect love in all he thought, said, and did. Perfect love. And what did we do to him? Betrayed. Rejected. Mocked. Laughed at. Stripped. Abused. Pierced. Crucified. And it was all intentional. To curse, to hate, to put to death. Do you expect better treatment? What did Jesus do? How did he respond? What are we to become? Three times today, in honor of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, his first words to those who betrayed and rejected him after he rose from the dead were, peace be with you. So must we be. Wishing them the fullness of health and well-being forever on every level. That's what peace means, shalom. I wish you the fullness of life and flourishing forever. And I'm going to give all that I have so that you can experience that. You, my enemy, you who betrayed me and sold me down. That's my response on every level that you would have fullness. Listen, listen to this. Jesus' revenge is mercy. Jesus' revenge is mercy. You've heard him if you're dialed in. Jonathan Rumi, who plays Jesus on the Chosen series, this TV series that's on the internet. They asked him, what's it like playing Jesus in the Chosen? How do you present that? Can you imagine if that was your role? By the way, about 500 uh, million people have watched this. So you're trying to portray the mercy of Jesus to these 500 million people on all the continents. And he says, what is it like if we approached every person with mercy? He just prays for that, prays that down into his soul, Jonathan. He says, we're so used to reacting when we get our feelings hurt, when someone wrongs us. What if we took a moment and paused before we reacted to examine the circumstances that went into whatever that person said or did to us? Perspective. And what is mercy? It's the highest mode of love. St. John Paul said, it's love's second name, mercy. It comes from the Greeks, agape, which means the total giving of love to someone. It's not just talk, but it's action. Mercy is putting love into action. Mercy is taking love and not just professing it with our lips, but living it with our whole being. 
Mercy is a particular mode of love that when it encounters suffering, it takes action to do something about it. Do you think there's any suffering in your heart or the hearts around you? I think we're largely untapped in mercy in our church, in our world, in our families. But it sees the suffering and it does something about it. So when God saw suffering, what did he do? He sent his son, Jesus, to pour out his divine mercy. And that's what we celebrate today. And we are to become that which we receive. Become like Jesus. To incarnate the reality and the message of his risen presence. Mercy. Like Thomas, to touch his wounds. Are you for real, Jesus? He wanted to know that in his bones. We can be one with you again. There can be reconciliation in the most horrible of circumstances that you have the power to do that. We want to intimately know this as Thomas desired. And forgiveness happens through our bodies. And what we say, say, think, and do, looking at each other in the face. You know me. You know I like etymologies. Do you know what reconciliation means? It means eyelash to eyelash. Drawing close in this world that's so separated from each other, entering in close up. Mercy is the food of this community that nourishes us with the living of heaven. Once again, mercy is the food that nourishes us with the living of heaven. Leave judging others for their wrong to God. It's God's business is justice. That's none of your business. But you, in every fiber of your being, are to be merciful just as your heavenly Father is merciful. Friends, get your heads on straight and choose to collaborate with Christ who has forgiven all. That's your only move. There is no other call. If you call yourself Christian, this is demanded in its essence of our Christianity. God wants us to depend on him as he depends upon us. He who is fully invested in us hopes for the same from us. But it takes both you and Christ to do this. But he is the center, source, and Lord. And until he is, you will never forgive. And you will be outside of his embrace. We can only touch, enter, and become intimate with and through the constant prayer of a desperate beggar crying out to Jesus for the power of his infinite mercy. In the end, forgiveness is not about your power or ability. It's about Jesus pouring out his blood on the cross for all of humanity for all the time. Like Thomas touches wounds, enter the intimacy of his relations. Let his spirit wash yours and become one with him. And my prayer is that you may be swept away in him like a grain of sand tossed in the ocean of mercy. So we're not just going to talk about this now, we're going to do it. Mercy sees suffering. It seeks to alleviate it. So I want you to think of one person that you haven't forgiven, you don't like, maybe you don't wish well of. Just think about that person in your mind. Maybe close your eyes right now, think about that person. 
could be a father, a mother, a brother, sister, co-worker, priest, nun, someone in the church. And I just, I'm going to start this prayer, and when I draw the silence, you're going to fill in the blank of that person. Lord, I forgive, and fill in the blank. I give you permission to take the judgment and bitterness out of my heart. I do not want this in my life. I surrender it to you and ask you to remove it, to heal me where I have been run over, wounded. I choose not to blame or to hold the actions of this person, whoever that is, against them. I hereby surrender my right to be paid back for my loss by the one who has sinned or trespassed against me. And may my only revenge be your mercy. Father, bless them in every way. In Jesus' name, amen.